I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, this is the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, and you're listening to the VOC Wrestling Nation Worldwide on VOCNation.com, baby. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation. VOC Nation Radio Network Wrestling with History. The voice of choice, Bruce Wirt, Killer Ken Resnick. We're here on a cold December evening, and uh, Ken. There's a no shortage of news today, but the biggest news for VOC Nation and uh, the future of this platform is the official announcement that came out on Monday that legendary 16-time Hall of Fame, Wrestling Hall of Famer, Bill Apter, the uh, the the uh, most <laughs> the man most famous for the after magazines and uh, most recently the editor of onewrestling.com which is in its final hours tonight as we record on a tuesday december the 8th 2020 one wrestling will be coming to voc nation bill after will be joining voc nation as a staff member and he will join our show wrestling with history beginning in january right here in the voc nation radio network i mean it, it, it's such you know great news and <clears throat> full disclosure you know I, i've gotten to know bill i'm a tremendous fan of, of his work and really bill after when he came to uh saint paul and photographed some of the awa shows bill was really the first national wrestling media correspondent that that I ever got to know, and we formed a, a friendship back uh, in like 1983 or 1984. It's continued through. Uh, I'm you know happy for Vox Nation certainly, but just thrilled that that Bill is going to be joining you know our show. Uh, and it, it's kind of one of those. I know it's a cliche, but it, it's absolutely true, Bruce. And that it's going to be an, an honor and a privilege to get to work with, like you say, a 16-time 
Hall of Famer and a friend uh, in Bill After. Uh, and this is absolutely no no reflection on, on you or me, but Bill has probably forgotten more wrestling than we know. I mean, uh, familiar with, with every promotion. Uh, boy, I, I think it's a it's a coup for Vak Nation, and and you know certainly a a coup for you and I. Uh, that you know Bill would would want to work with our show when I, I'm sure getting Bill to Vogue Nation, he had a choice to work with any show he wanted. Yeah, it, it was an amazing thing. And and a lot of people don't know this, and I said it, I did a little uh, special five-minute uh, brief after the brief uh, recording after the, the announcement was made and the press release went out. A lot of people don't know that Bill was part of the founding of VOC Nation 10 years ago when I was doing sports radio in Philadelphia and Bill was a frequent guest and it it just reignited a passion I had for pro wrestling. And Bill invited me to work with him at a convention. He was hosting, he was uh, being, he was doing the MC work in Los Angeles. I forget what the series was called wrestle reunion, maybe, but uh, it was my first taste of pro wrestling conventions. And I got to work with Bill for one wrestling.com and VOC uh, Nation kind of was born out of that, and we we uh, branched off on our own at, at some point, uh, and and Bill continued down the one wrestling road. But here we are back again, and like you said, Bill had a lot of choices, and it's really an honor that he is coming to join us. And and this is Ken. You know, he's he's uh, at the stage where he doesn't have to do anything and he wanted to do this. So I'm very excited and we'll be able to use Bill because you and I are very upfront that we're not current. We're not really uh, up to speed uh, on the current product. We're not experts and Bill is. And there's a lot of NWA that's missing from this show and fans have called that out. And Bill will be able to bring that to the table, too. So just a very exciting thing. Well, I guess the easiest way, and I've said it on this show, I've done it on a number of interviews. People would always say, you know, what are some of the great thrills or, you know, the biggest honors that you've had throughout your career? And I've said on numerous occasions that I can say I, I was a guest on both Piper's Pit and the After Chat. The after and, chat. you know, they're both held in, in the same uh, high regard, uh, in, in my mind, certainly, Roddy Roddy Piper and Bill After and a lot of fans. So that shows you the, the respect uh, I have for, for Bill After. And I think it's just uh, it's going to be a you know, just uh, amazing uh, to to you know be able to, and the fact that really uh, you know we both you know worked you know I I worked in wrestling. You certainly worked around wrestling, but you know we're also wrestling fans, and just to have a chance to weekly interact with Bill After, I mean, how great is that going to be? Yeah, it's going to be just amazing. And I remember, Ken, when I first, again, started this thing years ago and and was doing uh, radio in Philadelphia, and I met Bill. The first time I actually met Bill was at a restaurant, and Bill likes to sing karaoke. And 
I used to uh, be active in that circuit. I used to do some DJing and, and uh, I got to meet Bill by working in a charity group together and, and we would MC shows and, and sing. And I met him at a, a, a bar that did karaoke. Bill doesn't drink, but he still loves to go to the karaoke bars. And I couldn't believe that this is the guy that was basically the face of every wrestling magazine from my childhood. And I got to know him and become a friend of his. And, um, you know, he's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, Pittsburgh Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame, and the George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, the James C. Melby Award in 2012, member of Cauliflower Alley Club, Bill Apter coming to VOC Nation. And Ken, you mentioned it. The Apter Chat is coming to VOC Nation as well. Uh, it, it's great uh, because when, when Bill talks to you, you alluded to Bruce, he has such a, a wealth of knowledge and almost this like encyclopedic like mind when it comes to wrestling and being able to just call incidents and, and things that have happened at the drop of a hat. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, and I'd be just as excited if I had never met Bill after, but just knew him by reputation only, but to be, you know, have someone that I consider a friend, uh, it's just gonna be great. Uh, you know, a, a, a great way to, to be starting 2021. Uh, and, you know, you certainly got, you know, reinvigorated and a couple of years ago reinvested in, in Vox Nation. Uh, and, uh, props to you, buddy, that look how uh, the strides that Vox Nation has made in just the last couple of years. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, look at the great strides you've made in spite of having me. <laughs> Well, we've brought Ken Resnick to all of you out there. We have uh, Bill After, of course. We just mentioned Shelly Martinez with Shelly Live, which drops on Wednesdays. Brady Hicks in the room with uh, Brady and uh, his crew and, and Maestro from WCW, Rob Kellum, on Tuesdays as well. Wes Briscoe with Briscoe and Big A, Sassy Steffi with uh, Talk and Sass. And uh, WCW Retro, uh, Retro with the Maestro drops on Thursdays. And we're hoping to bring you uh, one more big announcement in the coming weeks for another major star from the 80s and 90s that is uh, hopefully going to do a show with us right here on VOC Nation. So lots more to come. And Bill, or <laughs> Bill. <laughs> no, no, Bill, uh, Bill doesn't join till till January, Bruce. I, I, you know, I know things are a little confusing for you, but no, that's next month. I want to remind everybody <laughs> that uh, people can go to VOCNation.com. On the left-hand side, click the Pro Wrestling Tees link, and you can get T-shirts for all of the VOC Nation programming, including your very own Killer Ken Resnick T-shirt. Killer Ken made it real, 
and that is right there at Pro Wrestling Tees. Makes a great holiday gift, whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Maybe you're agnostic and you just like to give gifts in the holidays. Make sure you get your VOC Nation t-shirt. We're going to make it nice and easy. You can actually go to vocnationshirts.com and it takes you right to that page. So Ken, if you remember, you were telling me how difficult it was to find your shirt. You had to go to Pro Wrestling Tees and search around and people didn't really know how to get there. Some people. So we made it easy. Just uh, go to the domain vocnationshirts.com and it takes you right there. See, there already, it's the after influence that things are getting even easier on the website. Here we go. So very easy. You got Maestro shirts, you got Ken shirts, you got Network shirts, uh, Shelly uh, in a nice, nice outfit on uh, on a shirt, uh, Stro, and uh, Brady's big, ugly shirt is uh, is there as well. So <laughs> And we should mention it as we talked about uh, off air. If you're thinking about, you know, any shirt uh, as a uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus gift, Kwanzaa, whatever, uh, based on the, the lag time between ordering and shipping, I wouldn't waste a lot of time. <laughs> get, your, get your order in right now. Otherwise, you're just going to be delivering a card that says, I bought your shirt. It'll get here in a couple of months. Okay. All right. So uh, happy news to some sad news, Ken. We learned since the last time we were on the air that WWE Hall of Famer Pat Patterson has uh, passed away very sadly. Uh, 79 years old, I believe he was. And he was, uh, I believe he was in poor health, if I understand it right. And Pat's one of the all-time greats in pro wrestling, not just in the ring, but behind the scenes as well. Uh, he was. Uh, when uh, Vince flew me out to New York for the very first time up to Stanford to to interview, um, when I got there, I it was set up where I met with a lot of other people, uh, you know, George Scott, Terry Garvin, uh, Arnie Skolan and Pat Patterson. And, you know, I would spend some time with them and then go back out to the lobby and, you know, they would <clears throat> evidently talk to the next person and say, I think he might be a good fit, maybe not a good fit. But, you know, Pat was one of the ones uh, I, I talked to. Uh, he was certainly a, a legend uh, back then, more so for his in-ring. But, I mean, just such a unbelievable, nice guy. Uh, one of those people, you know, was certainly a big star. But, you know, with two minutes in, you, you forgot all that. And you were just sitting down visiting with, with someone, you know, you're thinking, what a nice guy I'm talking to. Uh, Pat w w was wonderful. Um, and, you know, I got to know him. He, he was just such a, a good and, and generous guy. Um, many times when we would do shows at NASA Coliseum, uh, and even sometimes the, the garden, uh, I generally stayed, you know, right by LaGuardia airport and countless times Pat would say, Hey, come on, I'll give you a ride back to your hotel. Uh, and I'd get a chance just to, to visit with him, you know, one-on-one -on -one, 
talk psychology, talk about, you know, what happened at the show. Many times he would be listening in on interviews and he would say, you know, this was really good. And, you know, some uh, so-and-so, I think if you would do this, I mean, he was just, he was a, a wealth of knowledge about the business, but so willing to share that knowledge with anyone that was interested to learn from him. Uh, It's just a a profound loss uh, for wrestling. Um, And Pat had so many good, close friends that were just devastated. I mean, he was just a really nice guy. Yeah, and we... um... We're not normally in the business of plugging other shows, but I never mind because there's plenty of podcasts out there and there's enough, uh, there's enough good information to go around. But if you get a chance, Pat and Bruce Pritchard were very close friends and they, they wrote WWE TV together for quite a number of years. And uh, on the latest edition of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson, uh, there's a, a very nice retrospect on Pat's career and, and their friendship. I think it was two and a half hours long. So check that out. Uh, uh, can NBC news describe Pat Patterson as the first openly gay pro wrestling star and WWE Jim Ross used to make jokes about it on TV, but WWE never really publicly acknowledged it until uh, the legends house show that they did for the network, which aired in June of 2014. But I got a question, and, and the, the reason I'm uh, kind of segueing into this is I got a question. I haven't gathered together all of the, the comment bag uh, questions from last week because uh, it's just been such a hectic week. I had my hand surgery and the cast coming off and all of this other stuff with uh, VOC Nation business taking up lots of time. But I had a question from a guy named Duke that wanted to know, because we talked about uh, Adrian Adonis being in that segment that you did on Piper's Pit and uh, this fellow Duke, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing because it's off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me, but he wanted to know if the Adrian Adonis gimmick was a rib on Pat Patterson and how Adrian, considering how uh, homosexuality was viewed in the public eye at that time, if uh, Adrian was comfortable in that gimmick. Do you have any, uh, any insight into that, Ken? Um, whether it it had anything to do with Pat Patterson, I I don't know. Um, I I don't think, we never really talked about it, but my sense, Adrian didn't love the, the gimmick, but he loved the fact the gimmick helped him getting the push that he got. Uh, you know, with Jimmy Hart, you know, he really became, you know, a, a forefront of many of the, of the storylines. So he, he liked that. Um, I mean, WWE, you know, I guess, as, as you said, it never <clears throat> acknowledged it, but I, I mean, it, everyone knew, right? and, you know, it was just, um, Pat was gay, but that's where it ended. Right. I mean, you know, back at the time he was in a relationship. Uh, you know, I I'd certainly met his significant other, who I Louis. liked. Uh, you know, on many occasions, Louie. 
And, you know, it was like, <clears throat> I, I, I don't even want to say it was an open secret. It was just, um, you know, Pat was gay. Okay. So just like uh, Pat was also blonde or, you know, uh, Vince said dark hair. I mean, it was, is what it is and had really nothing to do, you know, with, with anything else. And I think a lot of the attitude uh, was because Pat was just so well respected by everyone in the business. And, you know, while I was there, it was pretty obvious that Vince's confidence back then were Pat Patterson and, and Arnie Scullin. Yeah. So, so Bruce Pritchard, I guess when you were there and, and we're skipping ahead because, because of uh, the death of Pat Patterson. So sure. forgive us uh, for anybody out there that's saying you're supposed to be in 1985. When you were there, Ken, uh, Bruce Pritchard wasn't there yet. So I think Bruce started to be involved in television, 87, 88 and, uh, and onward until. Uh, well, we, we, we crossed paths a little bit, you know, as he was brother love. Right. Right, but I, I mean, when Bruce and Pat, their heyday of writing TV, I think, was after you left. Oh, they, yeah, in terms of, of, of writing TV and creative, yes. But Pat was writing, I think, when you were there, Pat was writing TV, you said, with Arnie Scullin, and and obviously Vince has always had final say, but uh, I guess a lot of what we saw on television in 86, 87, and into the early parts of 88 was the brainchild of Pat Patterson uh, with Vince McMahon as the uh, final say. And Pat used to put together a lot of the matches, right? A lot of the big matches. Yeah. Pat, you know, back then was kind of the uh, go-to agent, uh, Pat and uh, Jack Lanza as well. Um, you know, and, and this is a little bit supposition, but when we would get to TV, you know, back then everything was pretty well laid out and presented at the pre-production meeting. But, you know, many times when anybody had a question, you know, they would go to Pat because he was just more accessible than, than Vince And, and Pat always knew the answer to anyone's question. So it, it was very apparent that Pat was heavily involved, you know, in the creative, uh, you know, as uh, it was Vince, Arne, Pat Patterson, Arnie Scullin, uh, George Scott and Terry Garvin. But uh, I think, as I mentioned, Pat and Arnie were, I think, Vince's real uh, confidants. And did Pat ever guide you on any of the segments that you did back in, in those interviews? Did he ever... Uh, give you any coaching or any anything that uh oh a lot of times with- you know pat w- would be uh in, in the interview room um and you know he would sometimes you know give some insight in, into how to build to an angle and, and where it was going to go and you know uh sometimes would say you know make sure you hit this point or, or that point um uh, but uh, as i've said many times it was pretty you know it was all unrehearsed you know we just did it uh and you know maybe two to three percent of the time you know we do i do an interview and it just it you could tell it just wasn't good 
and say, you know what, let's redo that. And then at that point, a lot of times Pat would say, you know what, uh, point this out or, or bring this up or, or that up. Um, but you know, one of the reasons I think he was so universally liked was when Pat had a way, you know, at least with me and the guys in the interview, he would give you input, but not really criticism as to what you did, but you know what, try this or, or, or bring this up to, to make it better. He just, you know, he, he was a, a, a good guy. I mean, we've all worked with people that, you know, love to criticize or tell you, Hey, that wasn't very good. Or what were you thinking? Pat kind of just had this way, you know, of something, you know, if he had a good idea before you'd start, he'd say, you know what, uh, if it works out, mention this or, or, or mention that, which I mean was, you know, almost, uh, an order because of who, you know, Pat was and, and you know, his knowledge, but he would do it in, in such a nice way where, you know, it, it was like, he would kind of tell you what to do, but had a way of making you think it was your idea to do an interview that way. A true leader. A yes. True leader. Yes. Well, Pat Patterson left us. Uh, he was 79 years old, uh, died, born January 19th, 1941, died December the 2nd, 2020. So just shy of 79 years old. Caused of death, liver failure caused by a blood clot and uh, preceded in death by his significant other, Louis Dondero, who um, left the earth way too young, age of 40, in 1998 we're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side with uh, more wrestling with history we're going to get into 1985 coming up next this is the sister the doctor of style and you're listening to voc nation check out in the room every tuesday night at nine listen in pro wrestling illustrated brady hicks former wcw star stro maestro Cassie fitz matt grimm and you know later there too right Ray? we sure are and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airlines cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Wrestling with History with Ken Resnick and I on VOCNation.com Wednesday night or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things. 
wrestling, and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter Chris Best discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back here on Wrestling With History, the voice of choice, Bruce Ward, killer Ken Resnick. want to invite everybody to go to vocnation.com. The site will be under construction in the coming weeks because we're planning for the, uh, the addition of Bill Apter, who's going to bring some additional content. We'll have the Apter chat, uh, all of the Bill Apter videos. Uh, the staff from One Wrestling will be joining us to do some recaps on uh, the – the current television programs, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and AEW, uh, Dynamite, and all the pay-per-views. So you can get all that coverage right here at vocnation.com. You don't have to go anywhere else. And we want to welcome the staff of onewrestling.com. Can I call that the OG, the original gangster of pro wrestling news, started by Bob Ryder way, way back and uh, – and and just was out there forever and it had dwindled over time and bill did the best he could on a limited budget to uh to keep that thing going but uh you know bob passed away unfortunately another casualty of 2020 we lost howard finkel bob Ryder, and pat patterson in the same year but that whole staff will come over to voc nation and be part of what we bring the fans every week we'll get some of the current product mixed in ken uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be great. And I, I'm sorry, were you alluding to Bill after being a, one of the original gangsters? What? 
the site onewrestling.com is the OG of wrestling websites. It's one of the one of the first. So happy to have that staff come over. And um, you know, it's a sad day. Uh December the eighth, twenty twenty, the death of onewrestling.com, where I got a lot of my news back in the day. Now I go to places like 411 Mania and Wrestling Inc. and uh, PW Insider. I'm going to leave some people out of better shot. Wrestlingheadlines.com, Gerwick.net. There's a lot of good ones out there. And by the way, I just want to tell everybody, because uh, I know a lot of the sites listen to our show, we're not in the news business. So we're not trying to break any news. We're not trying to steal your clicks. We still want uh, to bring traffic to you. So you cover our stuff. Um, I, I want to make that clear. The things that we do are more entertainment-based and uh, we're not trying to be in your business. And uh, that's uh, very important for me to state because I think there, there might be some confusion out there when we talk about bringing over one wrestling, but we're bringing over the entertainment side, Ken. We're not trying to bring people the news. You know, when you mention uh, a sad day, I mean, it brings to mind, certainly for people of my generation, uh, December 8th will always be a sad day, and it was the day uh, John Lennon was shot and killed. Yep. So uh, good news and, and bad news, I guess, on December 8th. Yeah, yep. Um, well, I mean, thanks for bringing us down. <laughs> we had December 7th, which was Pearl Harbor. We didn't, we didn't record yesterday. That, that was another terrible day in history. This is not a good week. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I, I think it's it's pretty safe to say 2020 has not been a good year. <laughs> yeah, for, that's the understatement of the century so far. Ken, uh, we finished 1984 last week after, I think we were in it for eight or nine weeks, and what a monumental year. Hulk Hogan made the jump from the AWA to the WWF and changed history. We had a lot of fun with rebooking the WWF if Hulk Hogan hadn't come over and we got a lot out of that and a lot of fan feedback. People had a lot of fun with that. Uh, but so much happened. I mean, you had Piper, the first Piper's pit, uh, the shift in TV tapings from Allentown to Poughkeepsie, uh, just a lot of big stuff in the WWF. You had Starcade, the second Starcade happened in 84, right after, um, you know, that was in Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving. The first one was 83. Uh, the AWA was still kicking and uh, really running strong in, in 83 and 84. So just a big year in pro wrestling. And we transitioned to 1985, finally. And, you know, I, I have to admit this, and I think that's why this show is going to be great, even better than it is today going into January, because we'll have Three very strong. I have a, um, you know, I was a huge WWF fan as a kid. So even besides the research that I do for the show, I just have a lot of that knowledge. I've watched everything, uh, probably a hundred times that happened in the uh, the old mid '80s WWF product. So you have that. You have Ken, who was there for AWA and WWF, and you have Bill Apter, who was part of a lot of the NWA broadcasts, Ken. He was on TV down in a lot of the Southern territories. Actually, I, you know, we've talked about, uh, it was before the advent of the kind of super stations on, on cable. Uh, I did not know that. I mean, I knew Bill was a, a wrestling journalist and covered it, but I, I didn't know that he was part of 
uh, NWA TV. So uh, there you have it. Even for me, when you listen to Wrestling With History, you learn something. There you go. <laughs> it's the first <laughs> time that I've taught you something, Ken, uh, here. Uh, I wouldn't say that, but... <laughs> Um, so let's get into 1985. And the first thing that I want to talk about, and I don't know exactly the date that this happened, but it's something significant for me because as a kid, you know, my first wrestling match that I ever saw on TV was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, February 5th, 1988. Market Square Arena. It was when Hulk Hogan dropped the title. Before that, wrestling was just noise to me. A lot of my family members watched it. I never really, I had the toys, but it wasn't really something that I, that I cared to watch. And I remember being at the supermarket with my mother. I was a kid. I was uh, seven or eight years old, eight years old, maybe in, in 88, whatever. Um, so we were at the supermarket and she was in such a hurry to check out because she had to get home because it was the first live version of Saturday Night's main event, or it was on a Friday at that time, and Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant on national TV. And she had to record it for my dad. And I watched it and I fell in love with wrestling on that day. And from there... I couldn't get enough of it, Ken. I watched every Saturday morning, but I wanted to know all about everything that led up to there and, and what, what the wrestling was like before that. And there was no internet, Ken. The only thing that you could do was go to the magazines, which were on the newsstands and they were current, or you go to the video store, remember the old VHSs, and on the shelf was coliseum video the best of the wwf and that was my way to look at the past of professional wrestling coliseum video started in the year 1985 it, uh, i mean that's the way a lot of people saw wrestling and certainly the way most people had a chance to see it you know other territories i mean uh, you know, Vince at Coliseum Video was kind of on the forefront. So in the markets that WWF hadn't gotten to yet, that's how people saw it. And even the AWA was starting to do some VHSs. And, you know, that's how people got to find out what was happening in other territories. Because there wasn't TV, there wasn't Internet. And, yes, there were, you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you know, Wrestling Review the magazines, but the, the problem was, you know, there it was just, you know, you could read about it and see some pictures, but through Coliseum Video, you could watch it, and, you know, when you rented it for a day or two or three days, you could watch it over and over again. The very first Coliseum Video, uh, video that was produced was called Bloopers, Bleeps, and Body Slams. And it was most most of the stuff that that it covered was happening that happened in 1984. So uh, you had uh, all the managers and a lot of stuff from that TNT show that you you were on at one point, Ken Resnick. So that was the very first video. And then, of course, you had the Hulkamania series started. And most people remember Coliseum video for the best of the WWF. Do you remember the best of the WWF series on Coliseum video? Uh, vaguely. I mean, I, I remember Coliseum video 
Uh, and again, we've talked about there again, you know, Vince McMahon had the, you know, vision to view this as uh, being a significant revenue stream. And if you think about it, as we got into a little bit later in the 80s, all the blockbuster video stores around the country, I mean, you know, they had their comedy and action and drama and documentary section and horror section. And there was a wrestling section where you could actually go in and there would be all these dozens and dozens of, you know, videos, a great many of them, Coliseum, that you, that you could rent. So, you know, I, I don't have a vision of, of that particular one, but, you know, the wrestling videos and, you know, the Coliseum video has a little gold logo down in the corner. Yep. Now, you can't forget it, iconic. And a lot of people will recognize that the intro music to our show is the Coliseum video, the original Coliseum video intro music for the best of the WWF and that very first video Ken for the best of the WWF volume one the matches on there I just want to run down this stuff because this is as a kid when you're going back and you're trying to understand what happened before that that famous match in 1988 so Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant together as a team versus Dick Murdoch Adrian Adonis and Big John Studd and that was where I started to really learn that uh you know, wrestling, the, the faces and the heels, they change sides. So Hogan and Andre, I couldn't believe it as a kid in 88 that Hogan and Andre were a team in 84. And, uh, and they had a match against Dick Murdoch, Adrian Adonis, and Big John Studd. Uh, real quick, Ken, did you work with John Studd during your time at the WWF? Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> Although I, I, I'm worried, uh, Bruce, you know, a after that disclosure, I can imagine that, you know, within the next week or two, you're going to get a, you know, uh, somebody must still own the, the, the name or the rights. You'll be getting a demand for royalty letter for using that intro music. <laughs> well, I, that, that, that may happen. I, I think we're covered. I think we're covered because there's a, there is a, uh, a, uh, what do you call it? There's a, enough, uh, you can use so much of the, uh, you know, the music without getting sued. Public but domain. Whatever. You know, if somebody complains, <laughs> we'll take it down. <laughs> uh, real quick, on Big John Studd, this is always something, you know, a lot of the, the legend is that Andre the Giant, they used to do tricks with the camera to make him look bigger than he actually was. You know, they'd have him stand up closer to the camera and everybody else would stand back or they'd have him standing on a little bit of an elevated platform. And I, I guess from you, who, who was there during this time period, they're there to me, right? And this is just my naked eye, my non-professional my non eye. I thought John Studd and Andre the Giant were pretty close to the same height, if, if you really go um, for real, not non-kayfabe. Yeah, um, Andre was still a little taller, but I, I mean... We did that with everybody. Now, n never did I see, you know, Andre on an interview ever standing on anything. But just to, as a matter of fact, if you, you know, because uh, I think I've shrunk a little bit, but back then I was about 6'1". Uh, so just as a matter of fact, I always tried to have all the wrestlers in, in front of me. 
Uh, you know, Gene was significantly shorter than I was, so Gene not so much. But, I mean, we did that, but not in an effort, per se, to make Andre seem taller. I mean, we did that to make everyone seem larger. You know, if you look at almost all the interviews, even if it was just one-on-one, I generally tried to have, you know, the talent a little bit in front of me. But, um, you know, not by a large margin, but Andre was still a little taller than John Studd. Now, logistically, how did that work, Ken? Because you're, I mean, you're holding a microphone up. In those days, you're holding a microphone up to their face. And if, if they're standing a few feet in front of you, was it just the, the angle of the camera to make it look like you were on the same plane? Uh, I'm run that question by again. So if the wrestler is standing a few feet in front of you to make it look like... Well, not, not, a, not a few feet. Okay. I mean, within within arm's length. Okay. But in other words, as, as a matter of fact, I always tried to have the wrestler, you know, at, at worst, side by side. But, you know, generally you can see my arm would be extended a little bit so they were just closer. But, I mean, no, it, it wasn't you know, two or three feet, you know, I mean, in, in anything who, you know, even if it's six inches, you just seem a little bigger, you know, on camera in, in a photograph. Uh, and also Vincent had come to me because I was significantly taller than Gene. When I would do the interviews, I was did them in stocking feet. I took my shoes off, you know, just to remove even that, you know, inch or inch and a half you might gain from just the heel on a loafer. Wow. So, so that, it, it was that, that's, that's kind of funny. So was that, that was from the mind of Vince McMahon to do that, to, to, to just add that extra element? Yeah. I mean, one day, uh, you know, I'd only been there a few weeks and we were doing interviews and, and Vince was there. Uh, I can't remember who I, I was doing the interview with, but afterwards Vince came up and said, you know what, take your shoes off. <laughs> and from that point on, uh, I think some days, you know, at some of the arenas would be a little cold. So I just would bring like a pair of, of like sandal, you know, like a, almost like a slipper. But Vince was just standing there and, you know, again, remember he'd been used to having Gene do so many of the interviews and, and Gene was only about, you know, maybe five, nine, five, ten. And, you know, I was six, one, so I was just significantly taller. So, it, you know, uh, it was Vince and, and you know, I think it just, you know, he was looking, you know, what it looked like and it just popped into his mind. He said, you know what, take your shoes off. It'll, you know, make it a little shorter. Do you think that had any bearing on, why you didn't have a longer run, Ken, in the WWF? Is it because you, you know, they, they a lot of the interviewers, at least at that time, were short. Uh, Craig Craig Minervini was was relatively short. Gene Gene Okerlund, as you mentioned, was short. Um, was was it your height that that could have been? A lot of people, you know, even to this day, recognize you as one of the best of all time in terms of backstage interviews and. I mean, really, you had a limited run. You had a, a two-and-a-half to three-year run there. So do you think your height had anything to do with it? You know, I, I mean, that's a good point. I can honestly say that never crossed my mind. Uh, it, it may well have been. And it was also, too, that, you know, Gene had, had cut back and, and had some issues 
uh, he was dealing with, and then he wanted to come back in, in uh, more of a full-time role, which is when I was doing less interviews and starting to do more color with uh, Gorilla. But it's very possible, Bruce, and I can honestly say that that had never crossed my mind, but that uh, as conscious as Vince was of how the product appeared, uh, could well be. Never thought of that. See that? I, I just gave you something to think about, Ken. Something to reflect on in your career. If, if Mama Resnick had only birthed you just a few inches shorter, Ken Resnick, I mean, you might be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Who knows? Uh, could well be. I still have some some people on, on Facebook that, that push that, and I always tell them, I'm honored you would think that way, but, you know, don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can make it happen. I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I've been uh, gone long enough. And I mean, Shane and Stephanie were were just little kids. And I've talked to other people and they said, you know, what's what shocks you more than anything? And I, I still say Stephanie's involvement because and the fact she ended up marrying a wrestler, because back in those days, if a wrestler ever said anything more than hi, Stephanie, to her, you could be in big trouble. <laughs> That's that's interesting. That that's um. So did did the McMahon kids and and we'll get into, we'll end with uh, with that. I, I got to ask you a question on the McMahon kids. But coming up in as we go through 1985, there's so much that went on. You had primetime wrestling getting started. The war to settle the score at MTV. Obviously, the first WrestleMania, the first Saturday night's main event, and uh, so much more in 1985. Pro Wrestling USA debuted on ESPN. We'll talk a lot more about that with Ken. Rock and Wrestling, the Saturday morning cartoon. There's a lot to unpack with 1985, but ending with the McMahon kids. So Shane and Stephanie, uh, were they backstage much in, in the WWF when you were there? And I know, again, we're fast forwarding a little bit, but we're, we're a little bit off today because of uh, the afternoons and Pat Patterson. So um, I, I got to ask you about that since you mentioned it. Uh, I mean, they were pretty young and, you know, sometimes at, at, at TV up in Poughkeepsie because they, you know, it wasn't a very far drive from Stanford or sometimes like at uh, one of the shows in the New York area at the Gardner Nassau Coliseum or the Meadowlands, but, you know, not as any rule of thumb. I mean, when, when they were kind of running around, it, it was more the exception than, than the rule. Yeah, Shane would have been maybe a teenager, like 16, 15, 16, when, when you were uh, active in the WWF. And, and Stephanie, wow, Stephanie would have just been, you know, 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. So, um, you know, Shane was, a, was around, you know, more than, than Stephanie at, at, you know, the shows in the, in the tri-state area. And, um, but Stephanie, you know, uh, and she would be there because remember, you know, back then Linda, you know, was uh, the CFO of the right. company. So Linda McMahon was around quite a bit. So sometimes you'd see Steph, you know, with her mom. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, I think there's a, a shot in the first WrestleMania where Hogan and Mr. T are coming out and you see uh, Shane McMahon backstage uh you know, behind the curtain in the, uh, in the, I, I guess, I don't know if that's technically the gorilla position, but in, uh, right, right before the curtain, Shane standing there, uh, with Vince and, 
it's uh, it's so amazing, you know, to see what those kids have come up to be all these years later. The McMahon. Well, kids. and one of the reasons, remember, technology back then was nowhere near what it is today. So, you know, they didn't have the monitors everywhere or, you know, the size of monitors they do today. So a lot of times you would see Vince and Shane and Pat and Arnie, you know, right behind the curtain, because as soon as the house lights went down and the match started, they would all step out in front of the curtain to watch the match. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now there's so many monitors, you, you never see them. Uh, anywhere near, but but back then, and you know, I always used to say you knew that it was either going to be a a really good match, or there were people matched together that in real life in kayfabe did not like each other because when those things were occurred as soon as it would come out you would also see all the boys i mean there were no monitors in the dressing room back then so you'd see all the boys sneaking out by you know from behind the curtain as soon as the match started and the lights in on the lights went down what's going to happen when these guys yeah what was uh Jake and Rick Rude, right? That was that was something that got tense uh, when when that happened. I I think that was after your time, though. Well, the one that that was the most tense uh, during my time was Adrian Adonis and Danny Spivey, because I I don't know the reason why, but let's just say there was no love lost between those two. Um, and they were working, I think it was at the Meadowlands, uh, and boy, when that match hit into the ring, I mean, everybody from the dressing room was popping out in front of the curtain to watch that match. Uh, and the match itself, Bruce, got so violent, uh, this wasn't the finish. The referee just threw it out, stopped the match, uh, and they went at it back in the dressing room. And uh, Danny Spivey, who, who doesn't get the credit he should in terms of being one of the toughest guys back then, I mean, he just beat the hell out of Adrian, where Adrian was off for a few weeks. Wow. Um, you know, and they had to be pulled apart in the dressing room. Uh, so that was the, the one that really stands out in in my mind. I mean, there were guys that, kind of, you know, we're close, the little friction, but that was the, the one uh, that was first and foremost in my mind. Did, did Vince do that on purpose? Would Vince put people against each other that didn't like each other to, to make it seem uh, more realistic in the ring? Or, or I mean, <laughs> because he had a sick, uh, got sick joy out of it, sick pleasure out of it? Uh, if I was going to venture a guess, I would probably say more of the latter. Um, but I remember, and some of the guys would talk about it, that it, it always seemed those matches had a tendency to, to, uh, get booked a little more, you know, uh, in the, the tri-state area when Vince knew he was going to be at the house show. (laughs) (laughs) That is, uh. That is, it sounds like classic Vince McMahon. All right, a uh, little disheveled today, so we apologize. But the big uh, big news from today is Bill Apter joining VOC Nation, and he's over on In the Room this week. So you can check out Bill Apter with Brady Hicks on In the Room 
uh, talking about him coming to VOC Nation, the end of OneWrestling.com. I'm sure there's a lot of other things that they'll talk about. Pat Patterson will probably come up on that show. So check out In the Room uh, Tuesday nights, every Tuesday on VOC Nation. But you can get all the VOC Nation shows, uh, whether it's In the Room or this show or uh, WCW Retro with the Stro, um, uh, Briscoe and Big Ace, Shelly Live, any of our shows, Wrestling with Problems, I'm, I'm going to leave somebody out, so I better just stop naming them. Well, get- well let, let me let me interrupt and, and for, ask this question. Should Bruce, should you and I feel a little dissed in that, you know, Bill Apter is coming to the network starting in January. He, you know, Wrestling With History is going to become, you know, hosted by you and I and Bill Apter, but yet he's going on Brady Hicks for his first appearance rather than with us. Should, should we be dissed? Feel like we're getting a little dissed a little bit here. I saw that today, Ken. And listen, here's the justification is that Brady's show is live. And listen, we have bill every week. We do a tape show. We got tired of the callers. No secret. At least I did. I, I can't say that about you. You love the callers. I didn't like them. So we do this tape show, and Brady's live, so he did it. He snuck in there and scored the big guest, and we'll give it to him. But we'll have many, many weeks of Bill after. So let him have it, Ken. Let him have it. Small victory. Well, I, I, I think we need to work on at least getting you know, a, a quick call in with, with Bill in advance of his big debut after the first of the year. I mean, we, we we can be scooped by Brady, but we can't allow ourselves to be completely overshadowed. Well, Ken, <laughs> you led me right into it. Next week, right here on Wrestling With History, and this will be available via video, Bill After will have the official contract signing with VOC Nation. It's signed, but he's going to sign it again. Right here next week, he's going to join us for a few minutes on Wrestling With History. So how's that? We get him second but whatever, it's okay. Well, uh, now I'm a little worried because wrestling fans of today, they know when there's this uh, contract signing in the ring, somebody's getting hit with a chair. Now I'm a little worried. <laughs> and uh, don't you forget that that is something that happens at every contract signing. So, Ken, I hope you have, I hope you have your protection for, uh, for next week's show. Well, I'm guessing because both you guys are kind of pretty close to that I-95 corridor that maybe it'll be you two together and I'll just, you know, be watching, you know, in the safety of my home in Minnesota. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, you know, with, with the hand surgery and the cast, and I know you might have a lot of pent-up frustration. So I hope Bill is smart enough to, to bring a bodyguard with him. Or you hear my wife scream upstairs as this 75-year-old man muscles past her, <laughs> comes down <laughs> to attack the invalid downstairs with the, hand, the bad hand and the bad spine. But next week, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have Bill after join us for a little bit to do the official contract signing and, uh, and talk a little bit about what's coming up in January. So don't miss it. Subscribe to VOC Nation Radio Network. Just search VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast directory, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to vocnation.com 
and you can check out all of the great VOC Nation programming. That's it for this week. For uh, future WWE Hall of Famer, Killer Ken Resnick, <laughs> I'm the voice of choice, Bruce Wirt. We'll talk to you next week right here. Wrestling with History Worldwide in the VOC Nation Radio Network.